Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. Jason Roundsville here, joined as always by my co-host Dylan Ray, and we have straight from the crush. We have Lee Lakoski with us today. Lee, welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. Ah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, um, th- this is what we understand. You're just moving into a new place there. Yeah. And and I I got to throw some props out. You gave us a little video tour right before we started recording, <laughs> and uh, and and I don't even know if there. It, it, what stage you're at of moving in, but the first thing that you did was put the heads in the house. All and right. <laughs> I respect that. Cause we, we moved our museum. I mean, it's, it's like almost a year ago now, and we still have some of the heads from our museum that we haven't hung in our new office. So right. we, we need to get on the ball. Cause clearly you've, you set the bar pretty high on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have plenty left to go. I'll tell you that. Yeah. They won't all fit in here, but, uh, you know, we'll get as many as we can and then have to figure out what we're going to do with the rest of them. Yeah. See, now I've got maybe too many to fit in my office, but not too many to fit in my house. <laughs> well, when you start getting, uh, uh, you know, life-size brown bears and muskox and all your sheep and stuff like that, it, it, you tend to run out of room fast. Yes. Yeah. Now, have you gotten a polar bear yet? Uh, nope. Okay. All right. That's yeah. the one. That's a tough one. I wish they had just let you take them back. And yeah, it's that one. We have one of those, uh, a life size in our office 
And that one is just so neat. We actually took it cool, last yeah. year. We took it to Reno just to have it. It's not even a world record. It's just so cool that yeah, uh, that we took it anyway. I know it. I, and my buddy Tom, he had hunts book for it, and then they when they closed that down, he never never ended up going. He was just like a year too late, and you know he just figured that maybe they'd open that again, you know, to bring them back in. But uh, until they do, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be tough for people that want to go do it. Yeah. Maybe just yeah. need to buy canada yeah from from what i understand there there's quite a few hunting lodges in canada that have like multiple polar bears <laughs> i'm sure you know the, i'm sure they're just waiting for what the, i'll tell you what they're probably as excited as the hunters for that to open back no, up so they can get a little more space oh, no, i know it I, I know a few people that have you know cabins up there houses up there and i was like yeah maybe i should just go do it and then get it, uh, keep it up there. But I don't know. It's just that whole thing's kind of a mess. Yeah. Well, you know, since, since you don't have enough room in this house, you know, you can always expand in internationally. <laughs> right. So now where's home for you? Um, uh, Iowa. Now we just, we, we were in Salem for, you know, since we moved down here and, and we just sold that, that house over there and moved over here where we had a, where Tiffany's mom lived. And it's just like 20 miles away, but then we just built our new house over here, a little bit closer to the rest of our farms. Nice. Nice. And so for hunting season, where's your favorite place to hunt? Is it local or? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say. People always ask you, and it's like, what's your favorite hunt? And it's like, well, whichever one you're on is, is about it. But so, I, mean, I love like mule deer is like my favorite and elk and all the Western stuff. But if I had to pick one, it would just be hunting home in Iowa for whitetails. You know, I think you think that it's, it's almost, you get more excited about those Western hunts because you can't do them every day when you live here and you're, you're here all the time. You're looking at deer all the time. You just, you know, you, you get a little bit, you know, you, you take it for granted. And, yeah. but if it wasn't here, if I was living someplace else, this, I mean, I'll, I'd be looking forward to whitetails more than anything. So it, it's whitetails at home for sure. Nice. And so when, uh, when you and Tiffany are getting ready for a hunt, is, is there a little competition there? Uh, no, actually it's no, funny. Okay. People ask that all the time and it's, it's really not. I mean, I always, you know, I'm always like super pumped for her and she's pumped for me. And, you know, it's, it's never really been like that. <laughs> you know, uh, I can't even think of one situation where, you know, any kind of competition. I'm always rooting for her and she's always rooting for me. And it's it's kind of different between us that way. I, and maybe it's because she never hunted when we met and I just got her into it. So I was always so excited and helping her and wanted her to get out hunting and stuff. And it's just kind of always stayed that way. Yeah, no, that's, that's outstanding. And so now you got, you know, your lifelong hunting partner, you ever think, have you ever had an opportunity where you're like, gosh, you know, that's a pretty big trophy. Maybe I shouldn't have got her quite this into hunting. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. No, you know, it's, it's sometimes like here, you know, we have some, some, some big deer. And a lot of times it's like, when we have big ones, she's, I'm, it's like, I'm always seem to be going after them. And I was like, you know, I should really put Tiffany on some of those, but, um, you know, we do have a real big one this year and I might say, all right, you go after the best one that we, that we have. It's kind of my, kind of my plan. I don't know if it'd be 200, but he's close if he's not. 
and she hasn't shot a 200 yet. And I've got several. So I think that it's her turn to, to, to step it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I, I hear, well, you hear that all the time. Like, Oh, I've got a 200, but you legitimately <laughs> got like officially measured entered 200 inch whitetails, which that's what I all of a sudden I said, yes, that's real. That's yeah. I was at, I was at Boone and Crockett a couple of weeks ago in, uh, you know, my home state's Oregon. And there was a guy there and he shot a, I mean, it grows like 184 or something blacktail, which just, wow. it just doesn't happen. I mean, I've never seen yeah. anything even remotely close to that. And, and if he hadn't had le- a legitimate Boone and Crockett score sheet right behind him, I, I would, it was like netted 174. And I'm just like, that's just crazy. Wow. So it's nice. We can his name for a good blacktail spot. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, and, and you know what? The neat thing, he got it with a longbow and just the night, oh, just the wow. coolest guy. I mean, he was so, so gracious. He, he actually won our Glen St. Charles award at the Boone and Crockett convention. So awesome. Um, yeah. Just a great guy. Super nice guy. So, um, so whitetails, if you had to pick one, it sounds like it'd be whitetails. Yeah, that was kind of, you know, when I grew up, you know, growing up in Minnesota, it's a, I mean, that's, you know, the whitetails are available pretty much to everyone, you know, across the country or most hunters anyway. So, I mean, that's kind of what most people grew up doing, including myself. I never dreamt that I'd ever be able to go, you know, brown bear hunting and do all the yeah. things that I have. But still, your roots are still pretty much based in whitetail hunting. When I was a kid, you know, that was that was king and still even in I think around most hunting whitetail is king um for what people want to see on tv even then still still my favorite thing and you know it's a long season and you got you know we live right here where we've got our farms and you know you've got three and a half months you know 90 days yeah. of deer hunting every day you know you go elk hunting i got a five day or seven day hunt here or there yep. so it's um you know it's it's probably what i look forward to most and work all year on the whitetail stuff i mean we're doing food plots and every single day i get up i think about deer you know, doing something here, um, for them. So for me, white tail is king. I think like, like most people, it's most available and stuff. But even though that's what makes the other hunts, I think for me, it makes them so much more, you know, so much, it, it makes them so special because you don't get to do them every day. You're not around it. So, so almost sometimes it seems like more excited to get, to get out West and mule deer hunt and stuff. But if, if I didn't have the white tail stuff, boy, I mean, it would, <laughs> you would definitely miss it. I, it's it's for sure our favorites so yeah hear me out and i think guys like jason don't understand this but <laughs> i i'm from kansas so i spend yeah. my entire year focusing on my whitetails as well and guys from out west they don't they don't wrap their heads around like this deer hunt is an entire year process for me um you know as far as blinds tree stands food plots water tanks whatever you do it's a year long process and for some of these deer, I shoot them when they're five years old, but I've seen them since they had spots on them. And I've watched sure. them grow up on this property since they've had spots on them. We've got pictures every year. And and that's what's so much different about whitetail hunting is it's a year-long chess match. Whereas out west, yeah, it's more of a, a, a athletic spot and stock hunt, you know, where you're chasing them down. And that's a blast for that week. But you didn't have any any past experience with that elk or with that mule deer. And if you did, it was very little, 
But with whitetails, if you finally put them on the ground, you've got three, four years of history, five years of history with this deer. And it's something incredibly special because you've invested, you know, five years of your time into that animal. And so that's what, for me, that's what sets whitetail hunting apart. Um, now, don't start sending us emails. I know there are guys <laughs> out West that have private property and, and manage their mule deer like crazy. I know that, I'm, I, but I'm saying uh, for the vast majority, um, you know, I get to manage my whitetails a whole lot more strict than somebody gets to have an elk herd. So, um, and I think that's what makes it so much more special for, for that Midwestern whitetail mindset. Yeah, it, it is. You're exactly right. You know, and like you said, you know, you you know, people go, oh yeah, we've watched these elk and stuff for years. And and that's true. There's a lot of people that have, but it's just not as available for, for most people. Let's face it, right. out west. A lot of the a lot of the you know, the ground out there is is public and stuff. You're not putting in food plots, you're not doing all that kind of stuff. I mean, you can go out and watch them, try to figure those elk and mule deer out. And we do, even like a lot of them, we see them from year to year, but it's not like you're there every single day learning their habits, knowing where they are every single day, at least for most people. I mean, that right. said they're going to live out there and do that. But like for us, it's exactly what you said. I mean, every single deer that we shoot, we've known since at least, at least they were two, you know, like you said, since bonds and year and a half, it's hard to tell them apart at that point, but you know, you were seeing them, but right. you know, from three years old on, you know, every single one, you got pictures of every single one. And like I said, every single day we get up in the morning and think about, okay, what am I going to do for deer? So I'm looking out the window, the deer walking through the yard right now. Um, but, uh, you know, with food plots and feeders, okay, how am I going to keep these healthy? And you got EHD, when I'm out fogging for, for, you know, for midges right. and all kinds of stuff every day you're working for them. So it's really rewarding when you, when you shoot one that, you know, the time that you've got invested in it. And not that it's Dude, not there's been times, different. There's been times my kids know the nicknames of my deer. Like I talk about them so much and they're like, oh yeah, the big eight or what, you know, they know that deer because I talk about it so much and they've seen me look at so many pictures and sh show so many friends that even my kids know the deer I'm hunting. And then when I kill them, they're like, holy cow, it is him. You know I mean? It's just different. Right. Yeah. Our kids name yeah. some fires too. So then yes. you, hear, you hear goofy names, you know, <laughs> where they may have come from. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and here there's literally places where you'd love to have it like that, but I right. mean, deer, deer are born and die. And then another group of deer is born and die before you can draw a tag. Yeah. I mean, literally sure. there's places it's yeah. 20 some years between opportunities to draw a tag there. And it's right. just, and it, it's, for me, not being exposed to to the whitetail lifestyle, it's so neat to hear about it and, and how everybody gets into it. And I've I've tried to even incorporate that into some of my stuff locally here with blacktails. You know, nobody, you know, five years ago, nobody did food plots. Nobody did a lot of the things that you guys have been doing for whitetails for for decades. And now all of a sudden you start seeing people finally picking up on this and trying it. And, uh, and so it's interesting. It's, uh, it's an experiment. I can't say it's been a successful one. I mean, I had this <laughs> the year before I had a, a really nice buck come in and it never even got a single daylight picture of this guy. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, we don't name them because we just don't get, a, they don't get around. <laughs> them. You know, yeah. I, 
for us, I think, so, you know, I don't think a hunter got him because I didn't hear about it, but you know, somebody might have hit him with their car or something. That's what you, right. you hope doesn't happen. Right. And even naming them isn't like, you know, Hey, there it, it's, it's more that like we have a lot of deer. So it's like, you can't tell the 10 point over there. Well, what's, what 40 of them are you talking about? So yeah, you usually got to get some kind of name to them so you can distinguish them from other ones. It's not like, Hey, they're your pets. We're naming them. It's like, now nah, it's just the way to identify them. Like, yes, camera guys, my buddies and my guys that oh. are here and hunt with us every year. And so when you're looking at them from year to year, you, you, you have a name for them. So they know what one you're talking about, but you know, yeah. like, someplace where you don't see that many it, it, you wouldn't probably but here where you got so many different ones you, you have to give them some kind of name to distinguish them from each other yeah. there was a lot of here you know they have 200 bucks on, on farms or more uh, you know someday i'd like to have some of his problems dylan he's got so many <laughs> no deer kidding. he has to name them all to keep them yeah. straight <laughs> and then he's got you know 40 or 50 heads hanging in his house and he's already out of space it's like yeah one of lee one of these days i want to have your problems i'll tell you yeah yeah it's 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 not a bad problem to have that's for sure yeah you know one of the things um it's interesting to me because being in the outdoor industry for a long time get to meet a lot of folks and dylan dylan will come to me and uh he'll be like oh we've got so-and-so coming on or or gee this let's i'm like oh we've got michael waldell coming on he's like who's that never heard of the guy (laughs) yeah but you know with you guys you know with with you and tiffany and the crush that's been around a long time and that i think has even gotten beyond you know just just kind of the whitetail community or, or whatnot into more mainstream i think how long have you guys been doing the show I think next year will be our 20th season, which is crazy to think. It just seems like it was yesterday, but you know, um, yeah, it's just 20 years. I raised like, where did time go? But yeah, it's like, obviously when we first started, I mean, it, it basically through Waddell and them, you know, we are, I worked at an archery shop for eight years all through high school and college. And we went to the ATA show and met Michael and then Michael was just a cameraman at that time for a realtor. And, and him and like the Drury's and Jay Gregory and Kiskey were all kind of the same age. We started hanging out and then you know, we just met David Blanton through Michael and stuff. And they say, Hey, you guys, you know, we were, st- I was always nuts about deer and, and hunting. He's like, Hey, you should start filming some of the stuff for monster bucks. And that's really how, how we got started. But I think it's maybe a little bit different, you know, our show is a little bit different maybe with having Tiffany on there and stuff too, where it's a lot of fun stuff too. You know, it's not, I mean, obviously you want every show you want to have good animals and, you know, quality footage, but it's, you know, we, we go and we have fun. So that's, you kind of sh- like to show that part of it too, that, you know, laughing and fun and, and everything is not so serious all the time. I mean, it can be at, at, at times, but still, Hey, we, we hunt cause it's fun. And so we'd like to show that part too. Yeah. I, I think some people, when they start filming, they, they lose a little bit of the hunt fun just because the production gets in the way of it. Right. Yeah, I've people seen that. all the time too. It's like, is ever, you know, arrows just want to, you know, and hunt without a cameraman, or is it, you know, how much pressure do you have on it? I don't put any pressure on myself. I know that we can, we can always get enough shows. I'd never shoot something just to make a TV show. You hear that too? Well, it was the last day, you know, so I need to make a show. It's like, hey, not me. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, I have, you know, real expensive elk tags that I've got that I could have shot a thousand elk in three years, almost in 
three out of the last four years, I didn't even shoot one there. And not that you couldn't, you could shoot one every 20 minutes, but it's like, nah, I just didn't find one big enough or the one that I thought was old enough and stuff. And it's like, it's very expensive. It's like, no, nah, I don't, I, you know, take killing something pretty seriously. And if it's not something I'm proud of, or I don't think it's old enough. I don't think it's right for the management of that farm or place, even though they're not mine. We'll make, we'll, we'll hunt something else. And, We'll, we'll come up with the episode, but I never put any pressure on us to, to, to shoot some. We've never had a problem of making the 20 episodes or 15 now or however many we want to do. And so we've always kept it fun. No pressure on us. Just go hunt the way you would if we, if we weren't filming. Yeah. So I've just done it a couple of times. I always put the pressure. I do the pressure the other way. I, I put the pressure on whoever's running the camera. So you better be on them. Cause I ain't holding my <laughs> shot for you. It's like, uh-uh. it's yeah, uh, that problem. Yeah. If I can let, let an arrow loose or, you know, maybe even the, the occasional bullet it's going. So you better be on that. thing. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm the opposite. But you know, our camera guys always give me flack about it. Cause it, you know, it's being, it even like managing your own farm, then I'll, then I'll, translates to everywhere that we hunt even though if they're, even though they're not mine i just want to manage them the way i would mine and so many times i've had you know camera guys i mean they want to lay down a great kill as much as you want to shoot one so they're always excited when you think okay we got we got we're kind of pinning a deer down or whatever it is and there's so many times that i'll finally get the one out that I want and i'm just looking at them like i don't know let's get some footage of my I'm not sure. Maybe I should leave him another year. And like, no, we've been on uh, for 20 days. <laughs> you know, so a lot of times, I'm, you know, I almost, you know, shooting them is, then you know it's going to be gone. So I'm always like, maybe I should let him go another year. Maybe I should let. So I never have a yeah. problem, you know, with that. Shoot too fast. I mean, most times they're they're like, you're going to shoot him right. I don't know. Let me look at him for a bit here and see. <laughs> and study him. And I think he'll do be better next year. Or whatever. So I'm more on the side now where I'm more apt to not shoot something than than to shoot them. Yeah. And like to go back to those elk hunts. I mean, very expensive elk hunts, and you could shoot one every 20 minutes. I mean, nice bulls too. I mean, good ones. And you're just like, ah, it's not. I don't know. Something is old enough, and maybe that one has potential for next year. So like that, even though they're not my places, it may never even hunt there again. I still, you know, hunt them like they're mine. So yeah. I'm not always not always pulling the trigger certainly never fast. Yeah. You know, they say, and that's what Dylan and I are still trying to learn this lesson because they say, if you want to shoot the big ones, you can't shoot the little ones. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to yeah. shoot a giant, you have to pass the big ones. And so Dylan and I, are, we're trying to get to that middle stage where we're not shooting the little ones so we can get the big ones, but the two <laughs> giants, you know, you know, and the guys that are getting them that they're, well, guys and gals that are getting those giants, like you said, they you have to be willing to eat a tag and not yeah. not get one, and that's tough to do for a lot of folks. Yeah, a lot you know, of Jason, fun. I'm really not trying to get there. I I like just shooting a lot of animals. <laughs> I don't care. Hey, you're talking to a duck and goose hunter, man. I'll put fifty down a day. I'm good. Don't worry. That's uh, you know, yeah. Lee. I'm a really good hunter until like late November. And then pretty much I'm sick and tired of it. Whatever deer comes out, it's usually getting shot. It got so bad last year. I called my dad a FaceTime to him. I'm like, Hey dude, my, my folks live in Arkansas. So I'm like, dude, I just shot a deer. I want you to walk up on it with me. And so I'm walking up and the first words out of his mouth were, 
dude, you've sent me like 20 pictures of deer bigger than that. And I'm like, yeah, but it wasn't late November. <laughs> so they got a pass because I was smart, but this one didn't get one late November and I was tired. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's how my season usually goes. That you mentioned that because so many people are like, man, I wish they'd have your job. And most people couldn't do it. I mean, just like there's, I mean, I have no weekends. I work every single weekend and get the hunting season. It's funny because you got like guys that'll come here like for and hunt with us for like three or four days or something, you know. And then you're up late and you're, uh, you know, and then you're getting up at four in the morning and you're you're going all day doing stuff and they're just exhausted. And like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. You know, I gotta I gotta get home and get some sleep or whatever. And just like that's three days. I do it for a hundred days straight. We started on August fifteenth. Yeah. yeah, every single day, and I never take a day off. Even here, you know, even after I take I always up. I was out sitting someplace, even just looking because I just love it. But I just, you know, it's it's not for everybody. Everybody can't do it. I'm used to not sleeping. I mean, I went right from college, you know, where I never wanted to, you know, miss out on going out and having fun. So, but then I started from home at two in the morning and study and do stuff. I never slept much, I, and so I, it doesn't bother me so much now. But I tell you, it, it's it's a lot of work. I mean, it doesn't have to be. I could. I could hunt one day a week if I wanted to, but I never do. I go every day. Same thing with working here on the farms. There's no weekends off and we're working every day. Get up like now at four 30 and you know, it starts getting light at like, you know, quarter to six. Now I look through all my trail camera pictures until it starts getting light and I go run and then go get in a tractor. So that's kind of my routine now. And then like last night at midnight, I was still fletching arrows and like, man, sneaking up on his hunting season here i leaving just over two weeks and i gotta get arrows fleshed i gotta get i haven't even gotten hunting clothes out i haven't even thought about hunting stuff yet so you know it's it's constant stuff especially when you get a couple of farms you know there's just so much work to do on them all the time yeah what is your first hunt what do you got um, up first for the year utah mule deer very utah. cool 20 what 21st i think starts Opens on the twenty first of that Saturday. Okay. Yep. That's <laughs> uh. Hey, we're going to leave to go out there like on the fifteenth, and we'll scout and look for a, you know, give myself a few days to try to try to find one, to, to spot one anyway, and uh, before it opens. So. I'll be that that weekend. I'll be down in California chasing mule deer. I, uh-huh. I drew an ar- archery tag down there. So, really, never Hoping... really a mule deer near elk and stuff, but I never, I'm sure they got big ones too, though. Yeah. It's, I, I had this tag a few years ago and I, I saw one big one just uh, kind of zooming up this goat trail. And everybody's like, why would you possibly go up there? And I was like, cause it's a great place to glass and, and, you know, the big ones hang out where nobody goes yeah. and then coming back down, you know, four hours later that there's one right there. And it was, it's like, boy, that's one we've been looking for as he bounds off into the timbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, no, looking forward to it. I got a good buddy down there. That's, uh, gonna hopefully get a little time off of farming to, to hang out with me for a few days. So what part of California is that? Uh northeastern, just not too far actually out of Reno, Nevada. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Then so. there should be some good mule deer around there, you think. Yeah. And then I'll tell you what, the biggest elk I've ever seen in my life was up in uh Modoc, California. And it was yeah. just they have some giant elk there. Uh, I mean that thing walked out at you know about 90 yards 
and you know, here's a whole herd of elk crossing the road in front of us. And this guy walked out all majestic, just like that scene out of Bambi. And he comes out <laughs> and he turns his head and you're just like jaw dropped. And you're like, holy smokes, what does that thing eat? Mule deer? It was just, <laughs> I mean. How come you didn't shoot him? Yeah, I didn't have a tag. Okay. So, uh, I was with my buddy and, and he had a tag and I'm just like, that's, that's the bull we're chasing for the next week. And we did, we called him the growler and never got in out. You could hear him. We just never could get in a position for a shot, but that's, that's probably the only bull that in my life, I, I would truly believe was a 400 inch bull. It yeah, was just, that. yeah. So. Um, so what's, what's after, so you're going Utah for mule deer, you got some elk hunts planned this fall or what? Yeah, no, I'll go from, from there. I'll probably stop down in Colorado and antelope hunt. Tiffany, I just love hunting antelope just because it's fun. It's a little less pressure and we, we don't really, we might sit on a water hole here or there, but most of the time we're spotting and stalking. And to me, I think, you know, for people who haven't done it, that's probably the best practice that you'll ever get like mule deer hunting and stuff. If you spot and stock antelope um, and, and kill them, you can spot and stock anything. It's usually wide open and stuff. So we, so we, pra- we just practice and practice and practice and we do just a ton of spot and stocking on them. And we always, we always get them too, you know, and, but it's just, it, it helps so much. It helps me getting in that stocking mode and crawling and all that kind of stuff and you know just realize if you're going to stalk something you got to have patience most people try to move too fast and try to get there too fast and sometimes take you all day you know so you really learn you know how to successfully stalk on antelope and if you blow one there's a ton of them you know but like on mule deer you might get your, your big one you know get them pinned in a spot bedded down maybe once you know so you want to be you want to do it right that first time so the antelope you, there's no you usually don't go mule deer hunting where you can get 10 stocks in a day you know or yeah or, or blown, but antelope are so hard to stock because it's so open so we love doing that and so we'll go to colorado to antelope hunt and then i'll probably run to alberta and maybe uh either whitetail or mule deer hunt for a few days and then then we uh we're gonna go to montana for for elk and then uh swing back over to utah for elk and then back to colorado for elk and hopefully we're we had that'll be a successful uh august and september and then get back by around october 1st or somewhere in october depending on how those hunts go and get after whitetails nice see yeah. now when you listen to that my fall doesn't sound near as busy dylan yeah no kidding <laughs> yeah do yeah. you ever uh do you ever spot and stalk whitetails uh, no, um, mostly because I don't want to, I don't ever, I don't have to number one, I mean, not that we haven't, I mean, sometimes we've, we've seen them like bedded with a doe out in the CRP field or something and, and we have her in a cornfield, but most of them I don't have to, uh, yeah. and I just don't want to bump them around, you know, like a meal that's the only chance you got, but for us, I pretty much do know, and I, I pretty much can tell you right now basically the deer we're going to shoot and tell you where I'm going to shoot them. Um, and I'll be about 90% correct every year and do it for probably three or four, even more deer, you know, where are you going to shoot them? Cause just like you said, it's, you watch these deer for so many years, 
you know, most of them are going to be at least five and try to get them to six and seven. But you, know, you learn their habits and every one, every deer has got a different personality, just like people or, or dogs or anything. And you kind of learn their personalities, the ones that are super regular. They've always been regular. They're always in the same spot. As they get older, they get even smaller and smaller areas. I mean, you can pick the field. You're going to shoot them on basically. So then it just comes down. I got a couple of stands for different winds. You know, when I start saying, okay, I'm going to hunt that deer this year, I just make sure before I leave here in two weeks that I have stands for every single wind. Or my, my top home where I got some of my guys here that um, can go move some stands from here or something. But I like to make sure I have a stand for every wind that you can have for those deer. And so when I get home and I got those ones that are regular that you doesn't matter what the wind is, you're going to be able to hunt them and uh, hopefully get them right away. In the first 10 days of October, they're very, they're doing the same thing they always, they've been doing all summer and everything before they start kind of getting off their summer pattern. Within that first 10 days, now if we have a big one, um, you normally shoot them within those 10 days. But then you got some that are just nomadic, you know, they're, there's no rhyme or reason to them. They're hard to figure out. And those are the fun ones, like a deer called Wednesday. He was like that and shooting until he was seven, but I'm glad I didn't because he, he was like 180 inch. I mean, a big nine point, like, you know, 180 inch for at four, five, and six. And so, like at six, we figured, well, he's just going to be at nine point. But I like got three, he was a 10 and with some stickers. So I always thought that he'd throw that four up and do something more, but he never did. He just kept that being a nine point. He had a couple of stickers, but he was huge. I mean, big frame, big mass. I think. So then finally at six, I said, we should just go hunt him. And I could have shot him one time and I didn't. It was right before a gun season. I thought I'd let my buddy maybe try to hunt him. And then, like I said, he was just so irregular. You'd get pictures of him maybe once a week, but never in the same spot, never at the same time. He's one of those that just, you can never really figure out. And I'm glad I did because I didn't, at seven, he just blew up. He threw stickers out I and mean, a big flyer off the back and side-by-side threes and and everything and you know so then i hunted him hard and then took me to almost november i think i shot him like on fair on halloween or something like that but he went from like 180 inch to a 211 um and so you know that those kind of deer you just never know but there are some like that deer i shot two years ago dagger is 222 i've been watching him since he was two and he was so regular he was always visible same place, same time, same everything. You knew that first day went out and shot him the first day, you know. So I have a couple of deer like that right now that are pretty big, have them in mind. So, you know, you kind of have it in mind where you're going to shoot them. And you know, it comes down to, like I said, you don't need to spot and stock them. I pretty much know where they're going to be. And you know, it's whitetails are so skittish that, you know, you try stalking them, you start bumping them around. And you know, pretty soon you're, your neighbors have, has them shot and they're not comfortable in your spot anymore. So we just kind of you know, leave them be and try to be as inconspicuous as possible when it comes to deer. We just don't have that luxury to hunt a hundred days for a deer and out West, at least not for me, people who live out there can be a lot more, you know, spend a lot more time and be a lot more cautious with them. But when we go out there, you know, you have a week or five days or something, you got to be pretty aggressive on one when you see one. Yeah, that's so if you um, ever need anybody to come shoot your small 160s, 170s, <laughs> yeah. you can call me, Jason, or Michael Waddell. We'll come take care of the small ones. Yeah. yeah, we'll just call out those little ones for you. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. all those 180s that you 
that are beneath yeah. you will come shoot. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, you know, I, I, I think we just idiot beneath anyone. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, well, you know, it's kind of like, you know, with Lee or like Jim Willems, we'll just take their leftovers. It's like, yeah, you know, that's not, ah, that's not the one I want. And you're just like, yes, that's the one I want. That's I will it. take it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you got a pretty good list lined up for people taking your uh, taking your leftovers there. Yeah. Well, the nice thing about Iowa is it takes so long to draw here. You know, it's gotten so popular for archery. So, like all my buddies, you know, I don't let anybody you know gun hunt or muzzleloader hunt other than like my partner Tom gun hunts and he he ruined his shoulder that surgeries on he can't pull a bow he crossbow hunts some down at our Illinois farm, but so he mostly just shotgun hunts and him and his wife. So I just leave gun and muzzleloaders to him. <clears throat> so him and any buddies that might draw up his, but so for me, you know, you got your buddies putting in, but it takes like five years to, to draw. So it works out really yeah. good because I never like having a, you know, you don't want to have, Oh, I got 10 people. Yeah. I mean, I like having right. a person here at a time, you know, so it, it you no, know, it might have like two people draw in a year, but at least I can stagger them around. Cause you just want to, you want to have all your focus on, on that one person. So, yeah. so normally here I got, you know, one or two people that draw and their friends and it's perfect. Cause I yeah. always, I'll always have a good, a good mature bucket. And a lot of times it doesn't matter what it scores, but they'll normally be, you know, sixties or seventies that are but something that's going to be six, seven, eight years old. And they're yeah. hard to, Tell them even even all the people that come, like really about I bet you 50% of the people that come here don't shoot one. Or at least it used to be. Now recently it's they've been more successful, even with the bow. But earlier on, this first, you know, first 15 years, it was probably about 50% of people that came, but a lot more people came. It was easier you get drawn every other year or third year earlier on. Because even you know, you're here's a deer that here's a couple of bucks you can choose from, and they're all seven or eight, and they're not easy to to hunt especially you have a come for a week or something then you're going to just come and shoot one um yeah good luck yeah <laughs> it can no. be like say when you have some of those that are real regular but you get one that's not or you get in the rut when they're you never know where they're going to be or whatever it's like even when they are regular an old one is just not not easy to get away with drawing on them and everything else so yeah now what uh what's it like so it's a four-year draw was that for non-residents how about for you are you do you get landowner yeah. tags or how does that work for you guys yeah if you're a resident of iowa you can just over the counter you can buy two you can get an archery and a and a gun or a muzzleloader and muzzleloader you can use a bow so i can shoot actually two with a bow okay. and then you uh um own land you get a landowner tag too so i can shoot three bucks here every year if i wanted to we have you know a farm that goes into missouri starts in iowa goes into missouri so we can shoot two there we can shoot two on our illinois farm but really i shoot two bucks a year two to three total over all three places really i mean i very rarely do a shoot all you know all three here unless there's some management deer they want to get out or something yeah two what yeah that makes it nice where you have uh you know where you get to do it every year there's a lot of places yeah. that don't offer that same thing west coast it's uh, you know there's even last year or two years ago oregon went to a draw for even all the archery mule deer so what had always been just you know an open tag now all of a sudden you have to to apply for those too so it's yeah that's what's nice about breath you have a farm you know in illinois too and you have to you have to put in for a draw for for gun tag stuff but i don't do that i just 
archery hunt, just buy one tag over the counter. That's, that's all I need is one. I don't need to shoot two down there. And same thing with Missouri, you can just buy it over the counter for archery. So for me, that's why we lived in Iowa. You know, I mean, actually, when we moved here, it wasn't so hard to get tags, but you know, we were going to maybe move to Kansas first. And that was our first farm that we had there. But then, then it started to get to the point in Iowa. We owned a farm here too. And it was like, you know, you'd only get drawn every other year all of a sudden. And we're like, well, it doesn't make any sense if you're a landowner in Kansas, we can, you can get a, a tag every year. And if you're, you can't in Iowa, unless you live there. And plus you get mm. to do two or three in Iowa. So like, hey, let's move to Iowa. So and we ended up here because because of hunting reasons. But I'm glad we did. I love it here. It's a beautiful place. And you know, it's people think of Iowa being flat, but where we are in the south, very southeast corner is kind of where the Des Moines River and the Mississippi River meets kind of in between there. So it's really hilly. It's not the best farm ground here necessarily, like it is in the middle part, which is big flat fields. But it's, it's really hit hilly and ditchy and timbered and you know stuff. So it, you know, it doesn't look like you'd maybe if you haven't if you haven't been here and you kind of think of Iowa being a big flat cornfield, like where we live, it's nothing like that. It's way more timbered and hilly and ditchy and creek bottoms, creeks everywhere and stuff. So it's just beautiful here. Nice. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, you always have to appreciate when people move to a certain area just for the hunting opportunities. That's yep. yeah. That's we had uh, Frank Noska on a while ago and he's on his, third uh 29 slam and uh that's years ago he moved he moved to alaska just because hey there's more stuff to hunt up here and it's like Uh (laughs) you have to appreciate people that are willing to do that for sure for sure so what's and a brother and my parents were alive at that time and everything it was like what moving away from everyone say yep you'll always be you'll always be my brothers and my sisters but you know what um I can't deer hunt down here every year. So I come visit you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, what's on, on your bucket list. If you had to pick an animal. It's well, I have quite a few left. I'd like to, I'd like to shoot, you know, the 29 North American big game with my, with my bow. And I been saying that for years, but it's like, I started thinking about it and I was like, well, I'm not, because I love mule deer and elk. So I mostly do that. And I was like, I gotta start thinking of some other things. And for some reason, what's stuck in my mind right now is coos deer. And it's, you know, anyone's like, oh, he's shooting, you know, shooting giant white tails, right? Shoot 120 inch little deer. And I was like, well, mostly because people are talking about it, how hard they are to hunt with archery. And I like to just spot and stop one. And so that's kind of got me in, in, in tree. And of course, um, I shot a Yukon moose, but I don't have a gyrus or a, um, a Canadian. So there's a lot of these animals that, maybe aren't like so flashy. Like you think of an elk and a giant Yukon moose and, you know, mule deer and all that stuff. And you talk about like black tails and coos deer and things like that, <clears throat> that you don't think about so much. Those are the ones that I'm thinking about now, because those are kind of the ones that I've got left. Yeah. And some of the caribou, I'm glad I got the Quebec Labrador caribou already. And I've got a central barren ground, but I don't have a woodland or a mountain. And you know, there's, a, there's still quite a few, and I just like to knock one off every year. And I try to, even though I don't have one planned yet, I can probably, I have some people that have invited me on coos deer hunts and, and stuff like that. So I might try to do that a little bit later, pop one in someplace. Like last year I did mountain lion 
And, uh, you know, so each year I just try to pop in something that I haven't hunted before. I think every time yeah. you hunt something new, it just makes you a better hunter. You know, it's yeah. something to dial a different animal or whatever. And it, uh, I just know if I had whitetails and stuff, once I started hunting out West, hunting other ones, um, it made me so much a better whitetail hunter. It's crazy. So people who haven't even, you know, there's lots of things that are affordable, you know, just to go out and I said, antelope hunt, those type of things, all those hunts make you so much better. Um, and that's, I'd encourage people to, to get out and hunt some other, some other things. Like, you know, when you go out antelope hunt, don't, you know, don't just sit on a water hole and wait for one to come in. You have to do that for whitetails, you know, go out and try to spot and stop them. Cause normally you go out to Wyoming or some, they're everywhere. You, know, so you yeah. can really, you'll get that. Trust me, you'll be, you'll be frustrated after the first day and say, give me the water hole, but that's where you got to stick with it, yeah. stick with it, stick with it. And even if you don't shoot one, you, you will be amazed at how, how much better of a hunter you become at everything you hunt. Yeah. That's good. Well, uh, you know, Lee, one, one question we ask every guest that we have on the show, and we've got some great answers through, through the times is what is one, when you find yourself, whether you're in a tree for whitetail or on the mountain for elk, what is one maybe non-traditional item that you like to have along with you on a hunt? Maybe my wife. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. you know, hey, now that's a pretty good answer. Holy that's smokes. That's not just because Gosh. she's standing here making breakfast. I'm telling you right now, we, Dylan, that's I think great. we have a winner. We have a, you know. And that I'm telling you, that is true too, because there's times now that now that we have our kids, like I could go to Alberta or something, and we're you know, we're not gonna our kids aren't vaccinated. We don't plan on vaccinating. So it's like, well, we can't go up there. You know, Tiffany's not gonna go up there and leave our kids here. We take them everywhere. And so I've gone and done something by myself since we've had kids. I mean, Tiffany and I would go everywhere together, but since no, and since her mom passed away, we didn't have a built-in babysitter. It's just harder to go places that you can bring your kid with some of those, especially the remote hunts and sheep hunts and that yeah. kind of stuff. And I always say, every time I'm sitting there, I just think this is awesome being here. I got a mountain sheep hunting, but I just wish Tiffany was here. Cause it's just not the same. We grew up like since we've been hunting for 20 years, we're always together and they're just not the same without, without her there. So, you know, even though she's standing right here, that is the yeah. honestly the truth. I tell that every year. I'm never going again without. How many times have I said that, Tiffany? It's like but, every year. I'm not. I'm not ever going without you again. But then even this year, well, man, we got. The uh, question is, would she say the same about you? I, you know question. what? Now, Tiffany, if you can hear us, now we have to have you on the show because we're going to have to ask you that same question and see what you say. Yeah, yeah I think she would. I think she would. I, I would, think she would I agree. Like, I, I haven't cleaned the house, so I don't know what I look like, and I just finished working out. But um, one hundred percent, I was like, actually, just on this spot and stock mule deer hunt we are going on. I'm like, can I just hunt with you the whole time? Because it's like we work so well together, and yeah, we, always, we hunted together so so many years. And like she goes like mule deer hunting, spot and stock, and like I think everyone but one, I was there. Two. Two? Yeah, What's one it? with Lovey. Lovey and I shot that one together. And uh maybe one with Mark. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, she'll Mark, go yeah. like with they'll yeah. be having these same deer with uh, with the guides and stuff like day after day after day after day. And then finally I'll be like, All right, um, 
call me when you see him and I go and we go and boom first like, time, finally, first she's time like, okay I'm out of here <laughs> like 10 days of chasing after the same deer like failing you know it's like and I has it ever even taken us more than one time whenever whenever I very, go with her and the two of us together I mean we've so I'm like why do you make me do it by myself all the time we're going like first time first day bang she kills him it's true yeah it's totally true but at least like I'm trying to make you a better hunter I'm like come on yeah well I'll tell you what it's you know, because we oftentimes we we talk about what some of our favorite answers are, and up until now, I think our favorite now, answer was split between bacon, bacon, and Nick good, Munt throughout Uncrustables. Uncrustables, those are so. Oh, you know, those are good. Yeah, those then, are good. Yeah, oh, kids, wait. everyone knows what that is. Now. Yeah, if Lee would never ever. That's probably why he says he wants me. I'm like cooking for him right now, but that's why he wants me out there with him because he would never bring any food and it's like and i always yeah. have food. tiffany is the yeah. snack master yeah and that you was even something? before kids yeah yeah i uh, never bring any food with i just i'll i'll be i'll be hungry i don't you, you can go 30 days without eating i, don't I was like yeah but you sure eat the stuff i bring <laughs> yeah for sure yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, ask, that's, ask Nick. He'll live on 30 days of Uncrustables. Uncrustables. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. they're not as bad as you think even. It's like they actually have some protein. Oh, we love them. We love yeah. them. I have to put my name on them at hunting camps. Swear to yeah. God. <laughs> and actually, I put the kid's name on them because even my name, they're like. Oh, yeah. they'll eat your food, but yeah. they won't yeah. touch the kid's <laughs> stuff. Kids, they're like, oh, it's not like they can just get off the mountain and get the kids more food. You know, <laughs> telling you, we're you know, this needs to go because I'm learning some stuff now, Dylan. Like this is, yeah. you know, these are true artists here. You know, right? If, if ever you know, there were to be a mic drop after our question, I think Lee just nailed it. I, yeah. I, I just, <laughs> you know, what's funny is, is one time I was heading down to Oklahoma. uh to hunt and i was gonna be gone for like seven days and so i just get in the freezer and grab the whole box of uncrustables and my wife calls me she's like are you serious those were for the kids and i'm like not anymore they're not now they're for deer, now they're for deer hunting and so she had to go to sam's and buy another industry industry sized box of uncrustables yeah, I they, the whole yeah. i'm actually kind of surprised they don't sell them more at gas stations to be honest i mean me and jason found them but they were the gas station branded no, no, no. uncrustables yeah and, and they're not they were horrible. The four Don't do it. They were bad. Yeah. yeah. It's we're still, you know, secretly or maybe even not so secretly, we're still hoping that Uncrustables catches the show because we have an opening for a food and drink sponsor. So Uncrustables, if you're listening, we have room yeah. for you or yeah. anybody in the diet at Mountain Dew community. <laughs> shameless plug. Right. We'll do it. So, no, that's uh gosh. It's going to be hard to follow that. It's really going to be I've hard never to met, follow that. I've never met anybody. Jason's not jealous of many people, but when Remy Warren said he got to, gets to work on Mountain Dew, Jason was a little was a little jealous. Yeah, you tell. I was like, come on, He was now. a little mad. Yeah. So, <laughs> For years. But uh, that's, uh, man. So, 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 Tiffany, if you had to pick one thing, if you're in a tree, chasing whitetails or up on the mountain chasing mule deer or elk other than lee what would you have with you on your hunt i know what it is well if if it's i don't know about early season but i know what it is late season 
you, if, heated if, yeah, if it were to rain, you'd <laughs> like, be electrocuted. You yeah, have like more batteries, socks. heated socks and vests and hand muffs and everything. And hey, batteries there is, Tesla. There is no shame. <laughs> there is no shame in that. I'm telling you right now. No, but you're I, actually, that was a good answer for me. I appreciate that. Now, early season, it would always be like, especially like mule deer hunting sunscreen, which nobody ever thinks mm. to bring that, but I always have that on me. And I'm always lathering it on everybody because they're baking out there. It's like, you know how many times you sit out there for like six hours and you're just like, yeah. I am on fire. Yeah, when you shot crow that time, we had about uh, eight hours sitting out there waiting for him to stand up and just baking in the sun. Yeah, pretty bad. But uh, but actually, my my one piece of advice, and it actually has been, it has helped a lot of people, is the emergency heat pack. You put it in the back of your backpack and the little flap, you know, where you never remember that anything is back there. And it has saved a lot of people in all honesty, because it's like, yeah, a lot of times those early season hunts, you don't think, think about it, cold, but all of a sudden you get a downpour and then you're out there and you're like, oh my gosh, I am freezing. Now, the other part of that is you have to remember to replace your emergency heat pack yeah. because nothing worse than when you go back in there and you open it up, you're like, ah, oh, it's already used. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty bad, but that one is. Yeah. And that if you ask Tom and George, you put some emergency M&Ms in there too. Yeah, they got true. stuck with a, with a big deer under underneath them bedded down with a doe or like white tail hunting and they were like all day long and they're digging through their backpacks and tom had like four old m&m's by four years old you know (laughs) they had to they had to ration them off between him and george you know he he could eat a side of beef a day so they they were pretty much battling over the the four m&m's you might want to put some emergency m&m's or something in your pack too (laughs) yeah See, that's about the only chocolate you could probably get away with because everything else melts. Right. Yeah. So bad. So, and it's yeah. Nutritional aspect with, with the peanut in there is like always <laughs> my thing. I'm like, well, it's got a peanut. They're healthy. Yeah. 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 Very. They're yeah. healthy. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, going, going back to the battery powered stuff, there is no shame in that because I, I did that first time I, sh- I was in a leadership hunt with Ducks Unlimited years ago. And oh, I yeah. showed up in, in Montana and it was supposed to be like minus four and we were on a goose hunt and, and I stopped on the way and I've got really good equipment, but I stopped on the way I stopped at a Cabela's and I grabbed like the gloves, the heated gloves, life-changing heated one socks. other thing. And it's, they didn't have the socks or out of bottom. And so I, I show up, I had that, I think one of the hand muffs. And so I showed up and that saved me. That's the only way I could run a call is to put my hand back. Otherwise, I, my hands have been so cold, I couldn't have done it. Yeah, that's it's it. totally and true, actually. We have yeah. the heated socks and a hand muff with heat packs. Yeah. And if you keep your hands and, and feet, best. hands and feet warm, you can do anything. Hands, feet, and core yeah. warm. Yeah. But- you can't. Like I said, duck hunting, you've been so cold. And it's nice sitting. In, even when it's not that cold, hunting like flooded timber in Arkansas and stuff. I mean, it doesn't have to be that cold for your feet to be frozen in that water, sitting in yep. water all day, man. You have the heated socks in your, you in your, in your waders. And like it's just, yeah, that's the only way like it's, late here you can hunt it all day, you know, be out every single day without, you know, getting frostbite. I laugh so hard when we get some of those new boys that, and they usually are men and they're usually from down South for some reason. I don't know why they're all from Georgia, but most of them are out <laughs> from Georgia. And they'll come up and they'll be like, are you filming me or Lee? And they're like, Lee, I'm like, did you bring heated socks? They're like, no, I don't even have them. But, you know, my feet don't get cold. I'm like, okay. Yeah, you'll yeah. see. <laughs> I'm, like, good I'm like, good luck. And then, you know, they come in that day and they're like, can I borrow your extra small heated socks? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, 
<laughs> yeah, that's a game changer for yeah. a lot of people. A lot, I mean, I, you know, it makes it enjoyable. I mean, even for myself, to be yeah. honest, like, I, you know, it's like I, I, I love hunting, but I'm not like Lee if it's 45 below out and I'm out there and I know I'm going to freeze and not be happy and comfortable out there. I'm like, yeah, I'm probably not going to go out, but it's like, oh, if I could turn my socks on for a few hours and, you know, have yeah. your knees muff and stuff and still be out there enjoying it. It's like, yeah, heck yeah. Yeah. It's, I'll tell you what, second year of that deal, like first year, everybody's laughing at me and that's okay. I could take it. Ain't mm-hmm, the first time right. they've laughed at me they next, well, next year. Either. No, next year I rolled in with everything, like seven pounds of those little batteries. I mean, I had this, I, the seat layout seat. I had socks, gloves, hand the heated layout. Vest, oh, that's a game changer. Everything. And you know what? Yeah. I wasn't the only one. All those folks laughing the year before right. had all that stuff the next year. Yeah, we got yeah. the remote. We got the remotes. You can turn them on yeah. high, medium, low, and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's, you I'm know, if you're out there, make a heated dog platform just for them to sit on you know what i mean well someone has the heated pad that, that you sit on so you can probably throw the two of those in a in the bottom because i mean it's like why would you think that they yes. would want it you know what i mean you know they would yeah, yeah. they probably would yeah because so, i've, I've Wait, seen you, some dogs if they had a heated pad they'd never leave yeah they probably would <laughs> uh, yeah i don't think, I think so it's enough with the neoprene especially when they get wet like the water yeah i was like i still think that they plenty warm i think our two are sitting down here right now. Yeah, under they're actually, because they're like, did you talk duck? Did you say duck? Yeah. <laughs> yep, under That's, our feet now. You know what? I, I, I'm the Pope and young guy. I still have to work in the occasional duck hunting stuff whenever I get an opportunity. Yeah, I know. So. I love it, too. So it's, um, I, I like, I appreciate it all, but. But that's uh, sorry. I hijacked no. your <laughs> Hey, that's okay. Thanks for joining I us. Work I pre- work hey. Yeah, that's that's so great. I uh I don't know, man. I don't know if I can go back to bacon being my favorite answer anymore. That's a hard <laughs> I think that, I think that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bacon. Yeah, he likes so. bacon. Yeah, because yeah. most people was probably not their wives. You know, you know, you know you married the right person when that was when that's your answer. When you when your answer is ah, I go hunting to get away from my wife, you probably made the wrong decision, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> or you maybe made a, a poor choice. It's so sweet. And you know what? We've been married what eighteen years now? Nineteen? Twenty. Well, it's gonna be well, it's gonna be twenty. Next year, so nineteen. Holy cow! Hey, even I, Tiffany, I'm telling you right now. Even if he got that wrong, he gets a pass after the answer yeah, earlier. That's Just true. Because that's a you. That's a uh, that's a test. It's like how long have we been married now? That is always a test. Well, it's two thousand three when we got married, so it's like okay, okay. It's next year. So it's almost, it's almost, you know, another few months will be twenty years. And and that's yes. we, we yeah, it's easier to remember. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, we just built a house together. It's like, oh my gosh, we haven't even killed each other. Yeah, we haven't killed each other. Did that? That's yeah. awesome. Last year, I forgot my anniversary, and I still haven't heard the end of it. That's nice for ours. Ours is in August, and we're always together mule deer hunting. So. I mean, there's certainly things that I'll be like, he's going to pay for that one. I won't say it out loud, but I'm like, that one's going to cost you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like the new coach shows up. <laughs> yeah. Well, now he's got to get out of jail for you. He's like, remember that time we were on the Pope and Young podcast? And I said, I'd pick you over bacon that's, <laughs> yeah, or anything sure. else. Yeah. So that's. Yeah. Yeah, make well, sure you let us because she brings bacon with her, so he gets yeah, bacon she was probably her. cooking bacon yeah. at the time. I am yeah. actually, I don't yeah. know. Oh, there you bacon go. Right there, right there. Yeah, I, I, when it comes to hunting, yeah. I'm not food oriented at all. 
So food doesn't uh, entice me. I never bring any food out with me. And you just you hunt better when you're hungry, right? That way yeah. you can just crack and. You know. I, I'm not. I'm not sure that I subscribe to that one. But, yeah, uh, like, yeah. I know Tiffany doesn't, but I yeah. do more more because I might go to bed at midnight and get up in the morning. Do I get up 20 minutes early and make a lunch? Yeah, no, I don't. I just that. pop up, pop in the shower, and get out. That's how you get that lunch. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, just that's right. It's a whole. Mo- it's a hunting movement. It's yeah. not just uncrustables. It's not just for kids anymore. <laughs> okay, wait. Did you guys try the the meat ones? The roll ups. Oh, they're- they're not great. I don't. I didn't not, like them much. They're not atrocious, but they're not like great. I mean, I wouldn't. They're not like the peanut butter and jelly. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna stick with you know the official <laughs> snack for for our podcast is gonna be yeah, Uncrustables. Yeah. I know so. we tried to deviate from it, and I I'm just like I've tried them twice, and I'm like, mm, yeah, no, no go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna do space. Well, you guys. <laughs> Yeah, thank you, Tiffany. Thanks for jumping on here. We we appreciate you joining us. Um, and Lee, wow, mic yeah. drop yeah. on that question. We may don't we may have to change the question after that. Was, yeah, I mean, I yeah. To, like it's still what time is it? I don't even know. Eleven o'clock, and our kids haven't eaten breakfast yet. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, clearly we're failing here right now, or we're really and they're pretty self-sufficient. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. So, well, hey, Lee, thank you so much uh, for jumping on with this. Hope hope to see you out in Reno in April for a convention. It's going to be a great time. We're yeah, starting to get of... back to normal now again. You know, yeah. we, we thought last year, like, okay, fine, we can go to SHOT Show and go to some of these. And then we both, our whole family got COVID like the day before we were supposed to go. I was like, oh, great. So hopefully next year. Yeah, we'll yeah. start all of them. Yeah, I think we're so... going to go to the Western out. The, the, the Western one. Expo that we're going to go to this next year and stuff too. So, and uh, try to start getting out to more of those. But you miss it, and they have so many friends and stuff that you look forward to seeing at all these shows. And now, you know, so many people I haven't seen in three years now. So, yeah. Yeah. And you still got time for those uh, Quebec caribou and. Some of the other stuff. Our next book's coming out. Uh, we'll have it at convention there in Reno in April. So you have till the end of the year to get anything measured. You need to get in there. I know it. I know so, I have a lot of stuff that just send I have. Yeah. I think what I'll have to do is just get somebody here. I mean, because my taxidermist is a good buddy of his is a official score. So he usually scores everything when it when it's when it's in there. Yeah. But a lot of them before, I mean, we have a lot of stuff that hadn't been scored. And that was kind of a lot of the earlier stuff, especially. So I thought, not one of these days, I'll just get somebody to come over here and just measure everything that hasn't been entered and and stuff, um, you know, and just do it all at one point. That was mine. Like everything no. done at some point. Well, well, you let me know, and we'll sit. I'll send a score over one for each of you, and they'll just <laughs> they'll go through the whole house. So yeah. You, you might need a team of people, you know, taking heads down and putting heads back up, and it'll be like a finely tuned choreographed orchestrated dance. Dust your animals and clean them. Yeah, yeah. So you let us know, and we'll uh, we'll make that happen for you. All right, we'll so, do. All right, thanks, Lee. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank bye, you, guys. Bye. Great talking with you. Bye, bye. Thank you.